Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand Amen. this morning. You Thank may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give the let's give the band did a wonderful job this morning. The singers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I thank you for their dedication and work in ministry. And appreciate everyone back in sound booth. People are traveling. It's summertime. And praise the Lord. We'll be long. This house is going to be filled up, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't care what the devil says, but it's summertime and people are going and, and, and vacation. How many of you like a good vacation? It's good to get away from everything, ain't it? <clears throat> and everybody. Amen. I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I just thank the Lord for the nation we live in. We've been on this series called uh, <clears throat> The Favor of, uh, Favor of God. And uh, uh, Sister Tina Bartley's, I, I start trying to think of everybody's name and their families and all that. I'm going to just say, forgive me one of their sister, or sisters, okay? I can't, I forget. I get up here and I forget, all right? Uh, but her dad uh, went in the hospital and um, praise the Lord. They, they just let me know the other day that he's out and he's at home. How old is he? He's almost 80 years old, isn't he? 79 years old and he's home. So let's give the Lord a hand for that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. It's so good to see Dreama with us this morning. Yeah, let's give her a hand for being here. Sister Betty is back from the big old state of West Virginia. I think she went to West Virginia, didn't you? Is that where you went to see your some of your friends? New Jersey. Oh, it, yeah, it's, that used to be not real good country up there either. Yeah, Betty, amen. It's good to see you back this morning. Praise the Lord. I want to talk, we're going to get off the subject of actually favor. And uh, I'm going to jump back on that subject for a couple weeks, coming back next uh coming back next week. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about our part uh, in the United States of America and in uh, the nation, because we actually do live whatever you believe or don't believe about uh, the president that we have um, now. God is not, when God looks down, he's not Democrat or Republican, okay? Uh, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob, as much as you might want to think that he's a Republican or a Democrat, he's neither nor Democrat or Republican. Amen. Uh, uh, but we live in a critical time in the United States of America. We really do. I believe with all my heart that we are on the brink of the coming of the Lord. I don't know how you feel about that. I know we've been talking about it ever since I've been a, a little kid. But I feel like my personal life and the life of this church. We need to be ready at any time because we are living in a chaotic time. Uh, we're, uh, there's problems brewing like never before in the United States of America. I've never seen so many police officers and firemen and people that work in security getting shot. It's horrible. Uh, all of our men and our military and, and, and police officers and everyone, we need to be praying for them daily that God's hand is upon on them. But we've been, uh, we have actually voted, so to speak, ourselves 
uh, in this nation that abortion is okay as a nation. As a nation, we have voted homosexuality and lesbianism is okay in our nation. We've also voted that pornography is okay in our nation. Pornography is one of the greatest, I mean, one of the, one of the fastest growing industries in the United States of America. It's now it's bigger, I believe I've said before, than NFL. Uh, it, it's bigger, I believe I wrote down, in NBA and NHL. The, the, the revenue that comes, the revenue that comes in. Uh, divorce rate is higher than it's ever been in the United States of America, and it's just as high in the uh, uh, church house. Just the other day, uh, Tina had looked on the news, and I didn't know this, but uh, a mile right down the road from us. Now, you're talking about in the little town of Churchville. In the last six months, there's, there's been, there was a drug ring going on, and they, they finally got the man that was selling meth right in Churchville. Uh, the end of last week, there was a drive-by shooting a mile from my house out in the little town of Churchville, Virginia. Meth is, uh, they say meth is just, I heard the congressman uh, in, um, uh, not, uh, I think it was yesterday before, speaking a little bit from West Virginia, the rest of West Virginia, the, the drug epidemic has went crazy with meth and things over in West Virginia. I have a, uh, 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 someone that married into our family that is a police officer in, and uh, he is state police, and he told me, man, it's been 10 years ago how the drugs has just spread out through Harrison, out through Harrisonburg, but but we need a move of God in our nation. But the question is, the question is, why are we blaming the White House? Why are we blaming the White House and not looking at the church house? Because a sinner is a sinner. You are a sinner before you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So why do we blame the White House when we should be lurking at the church house amen when the last time when was the last time i wrote down is churches got together in unity and come together in unity to pray for our nation jack hayford makes this statement it is a shame as christians that we've got our attitude from fox news rush limbaugh msnbc news more than we have the news from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blaming our government and Congress and our president and not taking full responsibility as Christians to live a holy, pure life's integrity to help change our culture and our nation, quote-unquote, from Jack Hayford. Israel was living in the time under a Babylonian empire. They're now under the power of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is in battle and takes Israel, listen, takes Israel captive under the crazy kingdom, which a culture shock was to Israel. Israel was serving God in their government, so to speak, in their schools and in their temples and in their families. God was their true and only living God. God was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob under the hand of Israel. But now they come in, this is an important statement, but now they come into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar, which was a wicked, vile 
community and state under the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. It was a wicked culture that Nebuchadnezzar had his people living under. And now they be, God's people became calf, captive under that rule of wickedness. And now we have a culture that's vile and messed up under the captivity of Nebuchadnezzar under Israel. I asked the Lord this, this question this week after studying why when Israel was saying God was our God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. Why did they come under captivity at that time? Why didn't they rule and reign? Why didn't they win the battle? Why wasn't they in the forefront? In this story, it's a picture of God bringing his people into a nation or under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar so they could change the culture of how Nebuchadnezzar and them was living, that vile culture. I want to tell you this morning, the church is the answer in the United States of America. God, the church is the answer to Mexico. The church is the answer to Guatemala. The church is the answer around the world. It's God's blood-bought church that is the answer to a messed up culture and true and living God. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 20 says, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, Israel. All of you of captivity who I have sent, here it is, from Jerusalem to the Babylonian kingdom. God had sent them there. God is saying, I am sending you out. I'm calling you out. I am placing you outside the gates of the Babylonian kingdom. I'm calling you out for one purpose and one purpose only. So you can engage the culture that you live in. It's our responsibility to engage the culture that we live in. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through 9. Look how Jeremiah speaks of God taking Israel and placing them in this type of culture. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through 9. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and listen to what he says. Listen to what he talks about for the state of Israel to live in. Build houses and settle down there. Plant gardens and eat whatever they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you'll prosper too. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets or the fortune tellers among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they've encouraged you to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Be careful what we say about the sinner. Be careful what we say about the sinner. God is here to redeem 
the United States of America. Be careful. I've seen on Facebook people typing out on Facebook, damning sinners to hell. Come on. God's called the church to make a difference in our culture, Brother Jerry. God has called the church to flourish in our nation. Number one, if you take a notes, God has placed you in this world to be a missionary, not a slave. We can fall enslaved by the culture we live in. The divorce rate, the homeless children, the moms and dads, the sting of drugs, the suicide at an all-time high. We can feel enslaved by the culture, but God says, don't feel enslaved. I have put you in those schools. I have put you in those jobs. I have put you in that town. I have put you in that city. I have put you in that office. And this is the mindset of the enemy to want you to be enslaved by the culture we lived in. But God is calling us that we're in our schools, in our towns, in our homes, in our communities, that you and I are to be missionaries right where we're at. In a wicked nation, in a wicked time, in the wicked world, I'm telling you, if the church will arise in Jesus' name, there is nothing that God's church cannot turn around. Oh, hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 4 says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, I've carried you into that exile. God called them to the Babylonian kingdom to expose the truth. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 8 32 says. Then you know the truth. And the truth will set you free. God has called us. Into this world. And into this culture. To expose the truth. In the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two. God is calling you to engage the culture. Not hide from it. Quit hiding from it. Acting like you have no responsibility to this culture. David said, I have served my generation and I fell asleep. What is David saying? I served my generation. I worked for God. I labored for God. I give God all I had. I loved my generation. I cared about my generation. I cared about the young. I cared about the old. I cared about the middle age. I cared about the senior citizens. David said, I cared about my generation, and I'm giving it all that God wants me to give it. And I know if I'll give it all, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. If I'll give it all, if I'll give my generation all that I got, God will make a difference in their life. Praise God. Sorry, I'm I believe there's two false teachings about assimilation. Number one, let's become seeker-friendly. Let's throw a little bit of the world and engage it into our music. Let's, let's drink a little bit. Let's run around with the wrong crowd a little bit. Let's have our churches a little worldy to bring the culture into our churches so we can change the culture. Not long ago, not bashing churches, but we've got in this mindset that I've said before that if we'll, we'll have 
will have some light rock and roll music or some light country music that the world can identify with as they walk in, in the church. And then we'll open up with, uh, with maybe one of these rock star songs that the church identifies with. Now you say, Pastor, that doesn't happen. I was on vacation a couple years ago out in Montana, went to the big church, and I'm listening, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I think I recognize this song, but I'm not sure. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this is not a praise and worship song, so I might want to march back into my past a little bit, okay? I might want to go back where I used to live. And this song was actually a rock song that they started their worship up with, and then they came out and started another worship with another worship song. Why do you say that, Pastor? God didn't ask us to be seeker-friendly and allow the world to change the culture of the church. The culture of the church is supposed to change the world. And if we become more like the world, then the world is just going to get worse and worse because the church is the only thing that can change the culture of the world. So if we adapt to the world, we have no changing of the world. But if we don't adapt to the world and make a stand that we're born again Christians and going to change our culture, we can do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing that we uh, uh, talk about in simulation in our culture is isolation. Let us get our little group and start calling out the bad. And start talking about our government and our president and our nation and our city, how bad it is. I wrote down, we're not called to assimilate or isolation. But we are, here it is, we are called to transformation. That's what the church is called to, transformation. Number three, God is calling you and I in the world but not of the world. It's not, I got my business, I got my job, I got my friends. I, I got my church here. God wants us to position ourselves just like Daniel had to position, or God positioned Daniel in the lion's den. And when God placed Daniel in the lion's den, in his culture, they seen what God could do. Amen? He shut the mouths of the lions. I say, if God positioned me in the culture that I live in, and when you show up great and do something great in my life, then the culture in the world can see what you have done, not what I have done, and what you have done, and through me in the culture I live in, can embrace and touch the culture where I live. Can you say amen? God placed the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace in the midst of a pagan culture. What a testimony in that city and in that time. God wants you to walk around full of the Holy Ghost and fire in the culture that you live in. God wants to see our city. God sees our city. Listen, church. God looks down and he sees our city hurting. He sees our town full of drugs. He sees our town full of alcohol. He sees this town full of broken families. He sees this town full of hurting children. He sees this town full of hurting people. He sees this town, the young boy that will put a gun to his head. He sees this town, the little girl has to run to her closet because she's being beaten. She sees the he sees the battered woman. He sees the drunken dad. He sees everything 
vile and wicked. And God says that the church, come on, the church, I proclaim from this pulpit this morning that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can change the culture that we live in through the power and the working of Almighty God in the Holy Spirit. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Fourthly, pray for, not against, our city. God said in Jeremiah 29, 7 through 9, pray that your city will prosper. Pray that your city will be blessed. Pray that God will open doors for you and I. Pray that God will swing favor upon you and I. How many of you know that God can put favor on you and he can open up doors for you to witness and help change the heart and lives of people? How many of you are thankful for the person that God brought in your life to help change your life? I was telling, I was telling Tina the other day, which is a prime testimony, that my dad told me probably four or five years before he passed away that my granddaddy on my dad's side, his dad at one time was an alcoholic. I'm talking about changing a culture. Later in life, my, my dad drank real bad. My mom said my dad never abused him or never abused us children. I'm talking about generations. I am thankful every day because my granddaddy wasn't a nice man. And my dad was known for him being a, a browser too. And I thank God every day that there was an old-timey preacher in an old Pentecostal holiness church that my dad walked in and gave his life to Christ. I thank God for all the prayers that preacher prayed for that church. I'm not just lifting up preachers, whoever it may be. For today, I'm saved and my family's saved. Because my dad and my mom walked in an old Pentecostal holiness church and knelt down and gave their life to Christ. Where would I be today? Would I be an alcoholic? Would I be in prison? Probably. Where would I be today? Where would I be today, Jerry? Because somebody made a difference in an old Pentecostal holiness church. Somebody invited my dad and somebody invited my mom and they gave their life to Christ and raised us children right. Where would I be today? Where would you be today if someone, when they came in your life, Where would you be today? Thank God somebody come in your life. Thank God an old grandmother or a mom or a dad or a worker or somebody prayed for you and prayed for you. And you're here today because somebody cared 
And somebody prayed, and somebody said, I want to change the culture that I live in. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our families. Let's not talk about it and talk against them how bad it is. Because let me say it again before I close. Your prayers, your prayers, and you standing up for holiness and righteousness can change the culture that we live in. How many of you believe that God wants to use? Here the question is, how many of you believe that God wants to use you? Come on, come on, come on. How many of you believe with up at hands that God wants to use you? How many of you believe that God wants to use you in a powerful way? How many of you believe that God can set this church on fire? Come on, come on, come on. How many believe that God can set this church on fire? How many, how many, of, you got, how many of you believe that God can use this church like never before? Amen? To, to touch our community. Because there's broken homes. There's hurting and dying and suffering people. And I believe with all my heart that God can change this nation around. And God can put this nation back on the map to not be a post-Christian, but a Christian nation again. I believe it, church. I, I believe we, I believe, and it's down burning in my spirit, that if we will get a fire in our bosom, God can change the town and the city and the nation. I believe it. You know why I believe it? Because I believe in that old song. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. That old rugged cross has been changing generations for a long time. That blood that was shed on Mount Calvary has changed generations to the generation that I live in. And if God tarries, it will continually change the generations ahead. I believe that we can get on fire and change our community all because of reaching Brother Dale back at the cross at Calvary because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If we'll get the blood back in our lives and believe in the blood of Jesus and the resurrection, and if we'll believe in what God can do and will do, after the resurrection, they went in the upper room and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they come out on so fire, on so much fire of the Holy Spirit working in their life. In no time, they were, I mean, I've heard, you've heard me say many times, Peter got up and preached and 3,000 got saved. I believe our families, let me make it clear, I believe our families, I believe our children, I believe our grandchildren, I believe our moms, our dads, our aunt and uncles and our grandmothers and our granddaddies. I believe with all my heart that God is going to bring a move to this nation one more time. I believe, but it's first going to start not in the White House, but in the church house. It's going to first start at the church house. And if we'll let it burn from the church house, starting from this pulpit, starting from me, this fire burning inside of me, 
I believe it can move down and God can change the nation and our community and our family. How many are you ready for? How many are you ready to see your sons come to Christ? How many are you ready to see your daughters come to Christ? How many are you ready to see your family come to Christ? I believe it's going to happen. Amen. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we thank you. God, a short but simple message. I believe, God, I believe that you're going to take this church and if we will humble ourselves before you, God, I believe that you're going to do something great with us. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And would you look at your yourself right now and say, Father, use me. Use me in the culture that I live in. If you're here and you want me to pray that prayer over you, just lift up your hand. Father, use me in the culture that we live in. If you're a born-again Christian, you ought to be raising your hand. If you're a born-again Christian, you ought to be raising your hand. Lord, use me in the culture that I live in. Father, thank you this morning. Father, thank you. Reach down right now. God, you said that would sanctify them by the truth, and your word is truth. You said, as I send you into the world, and as I was in the world, now I'm sending you. God, it's time for our church to arise. It's time for our church to have power. And it's time for our church to have strength. And it's our time for our church to walk in boldness like never before. God, I'm asking you to touch every one of us right now with your power and with your strength. And you use us like never before in our nation and in our community and with our family. And we're going to walk out of here, Father, knowing that you want to use us and you are going to use us. And there's going to be results out of you using us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You have a wonderful Fourth of July. You enjoy your family and find someone to invite to church next Sunday.